Welcome to Behind the Backline, the podcast where we chat with merchants, brands, and industry professionals in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space about their products, services, industry trends, stories, and more. Join us now as we dig into the stories behind our favorite backline gear. Welcome to episode 34 of Behind the Backline. I'm Matt Jacoby of Active Media, and today I'm talking with Corey Borgen, excuse me, uh, founder and owner of CapitalMusicGear.com. Thanks for joining me today, Corey. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to, you know, we've met uh, in person a couple months ago, uh, right here in Madison with me, um, which is very handy. Uh, Love the name, so, you know, people know where Capital Music Gear (laughs) originates from. (laughs) At least if you're from this area. (laughs) So, uh, let's uh, start things off by having you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what Capital Music Gear does. Yeah, yeah, no, great. Um, so I started Capital Music Gear last year. Um, it's an online uh, retail website that sells um, anything music gear related. Um, I've always been involved with music. I used to play uh, trumpet, violin, piano back in school. And um, then I picked up guitar back in high school, of course. And uh, that's the one that I that I keep playing um, nowadays with, uh, with Blackhawk Church right here in town and um, just kind of on the side as well. But um, yeah, I noticed some things, you know, when I was, when I was shopping for gear that, uh, that a lot of the sites seemed to be kind of similar. So I wanted to do a few things, uh, a little bit differently. And, um, I had a business background, uh, in retail and then I went into, uh, e-commerce in a different industry and, um, you know, I took over, uh, some of the, the operations there and, uh, kind of learned that business model and uh, I wanted to get into the music industry someday. So I, I pulled the trigger last year. Awesome. That's quite the story. So yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, where, where the, the passion come from to, to switch from player to retail owner in yeah. this space. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. Cause I, I mean, I always really wanted to, you know, back in college, I wrote a, a business plan for starting a music store, you know, a brick and mortar store. And I always kind of had that in the background and kind of had a list of uh, suppliers that I wanted to reach out to. Um, once I was ready to pull the trigger on that, but the way that, uh, you know, things are kind of migrating and changing and, and how, uh, how saturated the, the market is from a brick and mortar standpoint, at least in this area. Um, it never was really a, a good opportunity for me uh, to take that risk. But, um, you know, once I once I got into the e-commerce business and I learned that business model, I saw a pretty big opportunity on that end uh, in the industry. So Cool. So um, aside from how all your stars aligned from music and then having a background in e-commerce and everything, like, you know, what was attractive about getting into the the retail space? Um, you know, what, what kind of sets Capital Music apart from other music stores online? I know a lot of the bricks and mortar stores have online presences. Um, what kind of uh, was attractive to that and what did you feel was missing? Yeah, I, I guess as when I go to shop online for for music gear, um, a lot of times I you know I would buy guitar pedals and things like that online, um, and I would I would find myself only going to the to the big name retailers, right? Because I wanted a, a good selection to to kind of browse through and choose from. Um, so I I felt that that was you know key number one is having a a broader selection than uh, you know like a local music store might be able to have, um, but then once you look at a few of those big box stores that have the, the high selection, 
it seemed like most of them were were pretty similar. You know, you go to their homepage, they've got, you know, banners from all sorts of different manufacturers kind of flooding the homepage. They all kind of have the same 15% off sale every few weeks, depending on the holiday that's coming up. Um, and it, it, uh, it, it, I didn't see much of a difference between them. And I felt like there were some things missing in the industry as well. I mean, a lot of these companies do some great charity work, you know, on their own, they'll, they'll make big donations or they'll participate in uh, service days. Um, but there wasn't really much of a connection to the, sh you know, to the shopper being involved with these nonprofit organizations. And there's a ton of nonprofit organizations that are doing really good things for the music industry. So I wanted to kind of bridge that gap as well and get people involved with learning about some of these nonprofit organiza organizations that are making the industry better. Um, and and work in a systematic approach to to donating to those uh, organizations consistently. So, one percent of every sale through our site gets donated to a nonprofit um, that has a music related mission. Um, and when they go, when a customer goes to check out, they can either choose one from our list. They can suggest a different one to us as long as they're a 501c3 organization, or they can just let us choose if they don't have a preference. So. Um, you know, and the, the goal to that is, again, to get some, you know, money flowing to these nonprofit organizations, but also to educate, you know, each musician that's out there buying gear, educate them on what organizations are out there doing good work. Yeah, you're helping the customers find the nonprofits. And then I would imagine that are you having any luck with like the nonprofits that you do work with, that they become advocates for your store because they know that they can get a kickback? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a win-win-win, right? I mean, they... They don't have to do anything. I get all their information from their site, and then I just work in systematic donations to them. Um, it's great for them because they get to educate more people about their organization, which is a huge task for any uh, any organization, but especially nonprofits that maybe don't have a lot of full time people. Um, and then, yeah, the, getting getting donations flowing directly to them. They have their own, you know, members or stakeholders, whoever they serve. Um, that they can, you know, explain that Capital Music Gear is out there doing this. Um, I know one of the organizations I work with, you know, they they work with, they have their information out on Amazon Smile, um, but that that's a that's a much more congested uh, marketplace. That, you know, that it's any nonprofit; it's not just music related, and they only give a half a percent versus one percent. Well, you're going to take on Amazon Smile then in the music space. Just <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I try to keep it pretty focused to you know some organizations that I know, and you know that it, it'll expand over time. We don't have a lot of organizations out there right now. We're definitely looking for more, but I don't want to just add every single organization under the sun. I want to make sure we have a, a value added partnership going forth. No, definitely that that makes sense. Make sure everybody's going to benefit, and if it's not a good fit, then they'll find a home somewhere else. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so is it, do you, have you been mainly working with um, Madison based uh, nonprofits or do you have some that are kind of outside of the area? Um, both actually. Um, so a couple Madison related ones um, that I knew personally. And then uh, yeah, we've had, I've had some referrals from customers that we've, we've added on. Um, I met a great organization out at NAM um, that kind of partners, uh, pilots with with musicians because a lot of the skill sets are actually uh, the same so um, it was kind of cool learning about that organization so I, I met them and we added them out there and they're uh, they're not local by any means so um, yeah it's a little it's a good mix of both right now that's awesome so um, 
If there's a nonprofit listening right now, let's say, um, how can one get involved with what you're doing? Yeah, no, great question. All you have to do is just send me an email. Uh, my direct email is just Corey, C-O-R-Y, at capitalmusicgear.com. All of our contact information is on our site as well. But just introduce yourself, explain um, that you're, that you're uh, wanting to learn more about how we can partner together. The only requirements are that they are a 501c3 organization. Um, and that their main mission is music related. I can only attest to half of that. So I do not qualify. <laughs> Corey, send me money. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, you said you started, what was it, October last year? So the website went live in October. Um, I had been selling on third-party sites earlier. Um, so yeah, it, it basically the business started at the beginning of last year. Okay. Well, for even just being just over 12 months old, your inventory is extremely impressive for being so young. Um, what, uh, I mean, the, the website, not you being so young, the, the website. <laughs> uh, so how do you build relationships with your suppliers or the brands that you work with? Yeah, it's, it's funny because a lot of suppliers will have, you know, that typical relationship that they have with brick and mortars where, um, you know, they'll have to have like a local sales rep go into the store and provide all sorts of marketing material and training material. Um, my objective is, is not to step on those, uh, those toes of those local stores because they, they serve a very useful and specific niche for those local markets. Um, but a lot of my relationships with these suppliers is, is a much more efficient kind of streamlined relationship. I, I don't require any of that. All I, all I need is basic product information that I can flow through on my website. Um, and the, one of the benefits about my site is a lot of the extra product that product added value that comes to it comes directly from customers. So if a customer puts a product review on my site, um, you know, they get a 15% discount off their next order. If they put a video review, them showing them using their, the product they got from me or a 10% off if they put a written review. So a lot of that extra content that's getting added on my site will be just from customers directly. So, um, and then the, the interactions that I have with my suppliers on a day-to-day -day basis is, is fairly low maintenance. I mean, the, the order process is pretty streamlined. If they can do, you know, like API or EDI integration, um, I can do all that from an IT perspective. Otherwise, you know, just basic Excel templates with, with order information. I had a funny story from one of my suppliers. They said, uh, man, Corey, you, I love working with you. I, you know, I have some of these other customers of ours that, you know, will send me an email. They don't give me the model number. They just give me, you know, I, I need, you know, 10 packs of these black picks by this, you know, this specific brand or whatever. So I have to go on my system and find it. And, you know, I try to make things as streamlined as possible where they can just, if that's the template that's going to work best for them, you know, just something that they can copy and paste quickly. Um, you know, and I'm not coming back to, to them for a lot of different product information questions. I mean, I rely on a lot of the information that's already out on the website. So, um, it's a great, you know, symbiotic relationship where it's a nice, um, added incremental sales for them and uh, fairly efficient as well. Yeah. I noticed for like our generation, we find that things that seem awfully common sense or basic to us, like where you would say, I'm going to give you the SKU number so you can look this up in your system and get me the product, you know, in a timely fashion that other people have not been doing this for a long period of time. Like why that just seems absurd when you just, you just said that I'm like, 
why would someone send them send the, their supplier on a wild goose chase for a product that they just like, oh, I need a black guitar pick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, great, well, I have a million of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, it, you know, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, the, the older processes of catalogs and um, phone calls and a lot of that stuff where, uh, you know, you would have to understand kind of the, the high level of, of what somebody needed versus I just need this skew. I've already done all the legwork on my end to figure out what the customer needs. Just, just send, send this item basically. So that is true. That does make sense. Everyone still living in the days of the catalog are doomed. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's evolving well and I think there's, yeah. there's a good space for both, but um, you know, and if you look at some other industries or even talk to some other companies in this industry outside of the United States, I think there's definitely, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity still for the music industry to get more streamlined on this, on this e-commerce road. And I think there's a lot of pushback, right? You've got a lot of good brick and mortar stores that are doing, you know, a, a great job locally um, that, that feel the threat of, of an online presence. But, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a both and not an either, or I think, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of my orders come from cities I've never heard of that don't have any music store, or if they do, they probably don't carry the line that I'm selling them. Um, you know, or, or it's product that, that the local store can't stock because it doesn't turn fast enough for them, but it does for me having a national audience kind of a thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking of just like the small mom and pop shops, even here or anywhere that, um, people, even people locally don't necessarily want to leave their home. I mean, if they can shop online and not have to go across town, that's just as beneficial as shopping with Amazon or something national. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask, because uh, you know, more of a tech background, this may not even apply to the audience listening, but, um, you know, where do, what uh, uh, what is your site built on? Like, have you custom built this from scratch or is this built on an existing platform? Yeah, it's completely custom built by uh, Platteville Web Solutions. Actually, my, my brother Dan started that company a little bit before I started mine. Um, and so he did an awesome job. We, I mean, like I said, I, I came back, I came from a background where I was, um, in charge of some e-commerce operations in a different industry. So I, I understood how I wanted that kind of driven by, by the database in the background and, you know, what, what all those tables would look like and, and how all that would work. Um, but yeah, he did a great job kind of structuring everything and, and laying things out in a, in an easy to use way. And he, he used a lot of, technology terms that I had never heard of before. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not the audience to probably bring them up anyway. So that's okay. So yeah, I totally yeah. get it. <laughs> no, I think it's great. And it's nice that it's, you know, completely yours and proprietary and a brainchild of something that you're like, well, I've seen what does work. I've seen what doesn't work. Now let's, you know, take the best of that and put it into your own thing. So kudos to you and your brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the things that we're doing to try to add extra value to the industry, whether it's through the nonprofit organization or through the, uh, the discounts for reviews or through, you know, we have an automated uh, trade-in process to kind of start that conversation, uh, which I don't really see being done online anywhere right now. I mean, to be able to do all those things, yeah, we, we had to have a custom website. You can't set all that kind of stuff up in, in a lot of those cookie cutter type sites. So, Sorry, Shopify. You ain't going to yeah. cut it. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> not for this one, but... <laughs> So how big is the uh, people operation behind this? Is it just you or do you have a few people kind of helping out? Yeah. I mean, the, the main operations and everything I, I, I head up, I mean, I'll, 
outsource some things um, like the IT things or, you know, I look at marketing and all that too. But um, yeah, right now, I mean, I've been able to, I, I really look at things that, that take a lot of time from a day-to-day -day standpoint and try to automate that as much as possible. So, um, I mean, we're, we're doing a, a good amount of volume, but right now um, I haven't seen the need to bring somebody on. And, and once I bring somebody on, I, I want to make sure to, you know, compensate them well and, and have a, have a, a more um, impactful uh, relationship than just, you know, transactional stuff where they're doing day-to-day -day stuff. I want to, you know, once it's ready to take it to the next level, bring them on. So, yeah. Good, uh, good strategy. I was going to say at this point in time, when you're um, trying to automate as much as possible right outside of the, uh, the singularity, you should be fine to just let a robot take over at some point and then you won't have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're just on the verge of that. So yeah. no, it's, it's very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not too far off base probably. Um, so like, uh, how has traffic been in the last, I even thought, well, you know, if you've been doing it prior to October, but like for the new site, how's traffic and business been since just October? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, I, when I started this last year, um, I did have a little bit of a, of a previous December experience with a couple of suppliers that I was testing out. And I, I mean, like most, play, most retailers, I saw the volume dip off in January and February. And this year I, I didn't really see much of a dip at all. In fact, it just keeps continuing to grow. So um, I'm really excited for this year. I uh, I got to attend my first NAM show in January, which was just amazing. I got to um, meet one of my guitar guitar heroes, uh, Brian Wampler, um, who makes guitar pedals. I know you know him. You've had him on your show before too. Episode twelve. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that you knew that just off the bat. That's great. That's kind of sad too, but that's okay. <laughs> But no, that was awesome. I saw the guys from that pedal show do a demo over there on his new uh, Terraform. And yeah, I mean, it was just, it was an awesome experience. Um, but yeah, I, I met a lot of great suppliers. We've got some really cool things coming up this year that we're adding. Um, some some brands that really aren't on a lot of the, the main platforms and, you know, some that do a really good job on some of those platforms too. So um, yeah, really excited for this year. It's 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 growing pretty fast. That's awesome. Now, speaking of past episodes, um, because I saw it immediately on your homepage, of course, um, episode 16 for me is all this means to me, but in <laughs> this one, I did have to look up cause I, when I couldn't remember off the top of my head, but I see you now carry flatly guitar pedals. Uh, oh yeah. Hey. Yeah. Paul, he's so cool. I mean, this is such a great company. They, they do custom stuff. He's, he's got some really cool looking pedals. Um, and he's got some great videos out there that show the sound quality on these as well. Um, so yeah, you don't, you don't really see a lot of his stuff over in the States right now. So like that's on my homepage right now. I don't, you know, by the time this, uh, this airs, I'm not sure if I'll have a different banner on the homepage, but my main thing right now is having new unique brands for this year that aren't available at most big box stores. And, you know, Flatley is one of them. Um, I've got Lyman guitars over there, John Packer, their band instruments have been doing really well and the, the Cajon tabs as well. Um, but yeah, he's got some really cool stuff. You definitely should check them out or go back and listen to that episode if you didn't get a chance. Definitely. Did you, did he, um, tell you about his background in aeronautics? Yeah. Well, actually, I, I mean, I, I heard a little bit of that on the podcast and then I, I found a little bit of that on LinkedIn ahead of time too, but, uh, yeah, well, that kind of goes back to that pilot musician 
symbiotic. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited that my, that episode was one of your pieces of research prior to carrying their products. This is fantastic. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I never thought I'd be the encyclopedia for something. <laughs> Yeah, man. Keep it up. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I think it's great because uh, I had a great chat with Paul um, last summer during that episode about his uh, desire to break into the U.S. market. And it's it might be a little bit more difficult to try and talk to just a, a brick and mortar here and there and say, hey, I got this product. Do you want to talk to these guys versus, hey, there's a website that might carry you a little bit easier because it's not so much physical space that's necessary depending on your inventory process or your supply chain process. Um, so I am glad that you guys connected on that and uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I would almost guess that you are close to number one, if not number one in the U S to carry him. So that is pretty, that's pretty awesome. I think you probably have some bragging rights there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Hey, if it takes off too, that'd be great if I could be, you know, one of those first movers over here, but yeah, I mean, kudos to Paul. He, this stuff is, is really cool that he's putting out. So, yeah. So Paul, if you're listening, we, we still love you. <laughs> So in terms of like uh, traffic and business, um, are you seeing a lot of national regional traffic or um, do you feel like there's a lot of presence right here in town just because of where you're located? Yeah. You know, it, I'm not, I definitely see orders from Madison, Janesville, Middleton, you know, like this area, um, but not any more than anything else nationally. And again, again, it kind of goes back to a lot of the orders that I see are from towns I've never heard of and are not big towns. Like, a lot of people, I, I grew up in Platteville, Wisconsin, which is about an hour west of, of Madison here. And, you know, we had Dubuque, which was about a half hour drive away. And then we had Madison, which was an hour away. So, you know, when I was a kid learning to, to play music and stuff, you know, I, we'd have to go to one of those bigger cities just to, just to try something out. And a lot of times when you go to try out an instrument or a guitar pedal or something, you're not ready to buy that day. You still want to think about it. And especially now with all the information that's available online, you want to go back and research it and read reviews and everything. Um, so like, you know, you see a lot of these people, I think what, what's happening is they're going to these stores, maybe trying them out. So if that store has a website, they probably buy it there. If they don't, or if they don't have that in stock right now, and I do, then, then they'll, then they'll find me online too. So um, I think it's a great kind of partnership between online and the, the brick and mortar space. I mean, we see we see a lot of business migrating online, but at some point that's going to be a little bit more detrimental to the industry than probably some e-commerce uh, retailers would like to believe because you, you have to foster that demand. You have to be able to service your local communities. But the selection and some of the other things that you know we're adding value on, I think, is where um, it kind of goes back to uh, the people that are comfortable buying online, being able to buy that stuff. Agreed. And I can relate to you on the whole growing up in a small town thing. I grew up in Wisconsin Rapids, which is about an hour and a half yeah. north of here. Um, so I, I definitely know that. And in Rapids at the time, um, we had a high music before it was down here in Madison. And it was since they're based out of the Fox Valley. And so I grew up with that type of thing. And now that Hyde's down here, it's kind of nice to see it in Madison. Um, it was my, my go-to place. Uh, I had my share of lessons there and everything, but yeah, like, you know, you only had limited amount of information in that, in that aspect. And, you know, we were like, what is the internet at that point? So, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of what, what local stores are doing now is, you know, the ones that are, are succeeding and growing, you're seeing a lot of experiences, right? They, 
it's more than just a transactional retail store. It's not like a Target or a Walmart. It's it's a music store. You're going in to have fun. So, you know, all the classic stuff like clinics and lessons, all of that is going to help to foster that community. But then even just some of the the innovative innovative ways to present your store and your product, I think those are the uh, the places that are doing well. Yeah. No, I've uh, <clears throat> I've um. I think I've written a blog article about this in the past, but um, music stores, I feel have to take a, a note or a cue from Apple stores. Um, and not just because I have Apple products throughout my home. It's because um, Apple has turned their retail um their retail situation into more of an experience where it's more, they call them towns, town halls, town squares, town squares. Now I think where yeah. it's more of like, they're creating like miniature grand central stations where you want to hang out. Do you want to be there? I mean, short of having beer on tap and a pool table in the store, uh, you know, they, they make the experience where you just want to go there and hang out for the day and, if music stores would take that and turn the music store into an experience versus just I'm here to buy picks or reeds or strings or drumsticks and then I'm leaving, um, you know, give more people more opportunity to stick around. And I'm glad that people, you know, that they're still doing clinics and I grew up with clinics occasionally here and there. And, um, uh, you know, lessons were kind of the bare minimum for, for music stores, but if, but it really, you gotta be creative now and how you keep people in the store and, um, there's, there's ways to extend that to online as well. So, you know, you guys, yeah. you guys can do that too. So. Absolutely. I think the, the big challenge is, you know, like I said before, when I was evaluating whether I could start my own uh, music store, I mean, all of that takes a lot of investment and a lot of these stores that are kind of moving that way and, and adding some more value by making it more of an experience. They've already got a great customer base that they're building off of. So I, I'd be interested to see, you know, what happens 20, 30 years from now when, you know, some of these music store owners succeed and, and, and what those succession plans look like if somebody takes that over or if, if new stores have to pop up and try to create all of this, you know, out of thin air. I, I think it, that could be a challenge. But Well, we should do this again in 20 or 30 years and we do <laughs> what happened between then and now. <laughs> I'll put it on my calendar. I don't know if it goes that far out. Got it. I'm not sure I have... Or if I'll uh, still be blonde or gray by then, but we'll see. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, before we uh, turn it over to the end here, um, I'll let you uh, plug the website and any of your social media channels, and people can like you, follow you, share you, check you out, whatever we do online now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, our website's capitalmusicgear.com. Um, even if you spell it capital with an OL at the end, it'll still direct it to the right site. Perfect. That's perfect um, marketing right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we have links to our social media on there, but yeah, we're on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So yeah, definitely, uh, you know, drop me a line, even if you just want to say hi to say that you listen to the podcast and everything. I'd love to talk to you and, um, yeah, definitely excited about what 2019 is going to have in store here. And if you're in Madison, Corey likes Collectivo coffee. So you can always take them there. Yes. <laughs> coffee, happy hour after. Yeah. yeah any of that is <laughs> all good stuff. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Behind the Backline, brought to you by Octave Media, an inbound marketing agency focused on helping music merchants develop an automated solution to increase website sales. You can find Octave Media at www.octave.media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or Google Play Music to learn more about great products and companies in the musical instrument 
pro audio and event technology space, and be sure to leave a review to let us know what you thought of this episode. We encourage you to share us with your friends and colleagues via social media, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Hey guys, Matt here from Behind the Backline. I recently released a free on-demand training called Three Steps to Drumming Up More Website Sales. During the nine-minute video, you'll learn the secrets to streamline your brand's image and dramatically increase your website sales. If you're a music brand or a retailer and you want to increase your website sales, go to octave.media slash drumoffer today. That's octave.media slash drumoffer. And thanks for listening to Behind the Backline.